Hello, and welcome to Learn From Gaming's Tales of Creation, an exalted third edition actual play podcast. This is episode seven. My name is Chase Strollenberg, the storyteller of the game, and I will be joined this episode by Stu Gritter playing as Rojin the Shaper, Dan Murray playing as Kair, and Fred Rojas playing as Raven the Lucky. We at Learn From Gaming hope you are enjoying the journey through this world of creation, and we appreciate your interest in the project. Please keep in mind that the intent of the series is to learn this incredibly complex game system that is uh, Exalted 3rd Edition. It's published through White Wolf and Onyx Path, and also to document the narrative and character, uh, the narrative the characters have created as we romp through creation and potentially destroy it. We fully expect to continue making mistakes uh, with the rules. And we're hoping that we get things right, but if we get things wrong and we don't correct it ourselves, we would love to hear from you. Please, please point out our errors. Uh, Additionally, there's a comment on the narrative this episode, specifically regarding demons. Demons aren't new to this show. They show up in episode one and then keep showing up. But for folks who follow the lore of this game, specifically Exalted Third Edition, you need to know that I've made an active narrative decision on how I run First Circle Demons and it's a certain way that deviates from the norm. That is to say that when you defeat them in battle, in creation, they just return to Malpheus. This is a process that differs a little bit from the Exalted 3rd Edition lore. In regards to that lore, uh, dealing enough damage to kill a first circle demon would result in the end of its existence, regardless of location. I've implemented these minor changes for my own reasons and hopefully players will stumble upon exactly why this exists um, within the narrative uh, as they progress through the, through play. If anyone wants to understand why I made these changes, or if you have any comments about our show, feel free to reach out to us at learnfromgamingpodcast.gmail.com or DM us on Facebook or Twitter. We are always happy to hear from our audience and also happy to receive constructive criticism. Again, thank you so much for your interest in the series. Now let's get back to the story. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tales of Creation, a Learn From Gaming podcast subcast. It's an actual play for Exalted 3rd Edition. Now, when we left off last episode, Stu's character, Rojan, had uh, knocked down a tree while, <laughs> while Raven and Kair had found their own trees to sort of perch in while fighting demons. Does anybody else want to do a quick recap of what they thought was important from the last episode before we jump into this one? Uh, I can take a look at the notes that I had. Because um, we ended up seeing the kind of second half of the little cutscene with uh, Lavinia. Yep. I'm uh, glad you found that interesting. Ooh. <laughs> I know they were in a room with a huge spider silk tapestry. Um was referred to as part of the Loom of Fate, which I have no idea what that is, but uh, they pointed out a bright orange dot on the tapestry and referred to it as a convergence, and that dot was uh, Kajaru, which is the, the little town that we're in. They also referred to it as an exigent, which uh, probably means something to people more versed in <laughs> um, Exalted than I. But what did we do? We kind of ventured out towards the guild claim for the most part, going uh, or going towards our our mine claim, uh, we had to pass through a claim owned by the guild uh, that was uh, turned out to be a slave mining operation. Um, 
and uh, had discovered that the uh, some of the ley lines in that area had been severed by their mining operations. So a lot of the kind of flow of moats and energy had been disrupted. Uh, so a lot of it felt sort of empty and hollow and unnatural. Um, then we found out that there were demons nesting in our mine and all the birds were scared. Uh, and uh, we ended up encountering little patches of dark black needles. Um, and I have two names written for these. One of them is Needle Makers of Malpheus, and the other is Furman. Uh, both apply. One is a moniker, the other is their actual name. Um, right. So, so we, or and by moniker, I mean, like, descriptor. So, like, <laughs> what they do. Um, yeah. So before we jump right into right into things, I am gonna do another quick cutscene. Um, okay. Now this cutscene starts, and it's actually not too far away. So imagine the camera just panning down through the bedrock underground, uh, right at the moment where Rojan would hit the tree with a loud thwack, and it would come down and slam into the demons. Because uh, that's how last episode ended. Um, and then a bunch of demons screamed. So deep under the bedrock. So kind of sort of around where you're standing, give or take a, you know, a few feet in any given direction. There's an illuminated chamber, but it's not too bright. And there's a little bit of flickering because most of the light is being produced from a torch on the wall. Now, in this room, there's also a lot of hanging. It's, it's almost like, it looks kind of like drapery, but it's, it's dark. Like, very, very dark. Um, almost, for lack of a better term, it's sort of like billowing and shadowy. And inside the room, as this tree strike occurs a number of things look up a few of them in the shapes of humans and a few of them, or at least humanoid, a few of them in other forms. And then the cries of the Furman go out as the entire colony basically announces that its nest is under attack. So a woman with long dark hair that actually goes uh, well past her shoulders with streaks of brass in it, focuses a pair of violet eyes on what looks to be some kind of gyrating yellow puddle <laughs> just down in a hole uh, nearby. She straightens and then says the Furmen are upset. I think we have some visitors. Out in, uh, so just in the corners where the, there, the, the sort of billowing shadow is most dense and it occludes almost everything. A number of green eyes open and a voice mutters out, yes, they are disturbed. What shall we do with the operation area? The girl stands for a second, curses and then says, we can't chance it. She walks over to a wardrobe nearby, pulls her left sleeve down to her about her elbow and says Zerum I need you to come out and then the flesh on her arm actually starts to move and wriggle and something 
slips out and it has eyes but is in the shape of like a fleshy bony key and it crawls up into her left hand she takes that key inserts it into the wardrobe turns it and then there is an explosion of silver white sand that shoots out from the wardrobe as she opens the door and it's actually some sort of portal into an entire other place this place is alien to everything you know not that you can see it (laughs) there's a green sun numerous buildings made out of brass loud bangings and screams and screeches and all kinds of unusual sounds coming out of it she turns speaks to one of the other creatures that's in the room she says vixis it's time for us to go what looks like a really pale, bald, well, actually an incredibly attractive woman, but with piercings all over her body and her eyes are just dark pools of like shadow, turns, nods, and then walks through the door into the other world. Um, the The woman turns back to the creature in the corner and says, crack again. Make sure that those that slumber come to Macarius. I will see them there. If I don't see you in Malpheus in the next few days, I will try to return, but you know that will take some time. Of course, if you show up, then I guess this little operation is over. The green eyes shift. Crack again, nods. Its eyes close again, and it disappears into the shadow. The woman turns around, also walks through the portal, shuts the doors behind her, and then there's another eruption of silver white sand. And then we shoot back up to the surface where Raven was in a tree. <laughs> where our heroes have no idea yeah. what's just <laughs> uh, Raven Raven was in a tree and Raven our and good Kyre friend Kyir. Oh, you are in the same tree? That's good. Um and uh yeah. Rojan had just knocked another tree over. There's this thing that's happening, <laughs> happening to Kair. And uh, I'll let people do a perception awareness if they want to, but Kair, you cannot. So Raven, if you want to, you can. And and Rojan, if you want to, you can. But it's, it's uh, yeah, just let me know if you get more than three successes. That's the threshold. Sure, here we go. I'm not looking for anything fancy or any kind of stunts. Also, I, I'm very much keeping in mind that Rojan just knocked down a tree, so things might be a little discombobulating. Yeah, Rojan's probably not looking. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So, one question. Um, yes. In my role, yes. my focus on awareness is people. Okay. I think this would qualify. Does I forget what, what that earns me, if any. One extra die on the roll. Uh, yeah, that'll give you one extra die in anything related to uh, Kair specifically. Nine Holy wow. shoot. Nine okay, so he, uh, yeah, wow. Uh, and by he, I mean Raven, who is not he. <laughs> Raven got nine successes. Uh, that's a big deal. Okay, so Raven, here's what you see. Muckdog has shifted out of Kyer's clothing and has actually basically straddled uh, his shoulders, has slithered tendrils up around parts of his head and... Uh, looks like maybe into his ears but or not rojan sorry kair um but kair doesn't seem 
discomforted by any of this. Also, there is what looks to be like a shimmering aura, like not the inky blackness of the tentacles. Like it's actually almost, for lack of a better term, um, like uh, like that that stardust that Tinkerbell gives off. Like mm. he is shedding this, and it is like illuminating off of him. So that's happening. And with nine successes, like, I don't know how to say how weird it is, but you have never seen anything like this in your life. And you can actually see that it's almost saturating and permeating into Kair skin. So I'm going to stop right there and shift into Kair. So Kair, here's what you're seeing. Um, you're looking out and you can actually still see all three of the Furman that are down below, you can't just see them. They're illuminated in, in ways that are almost impossible. So like where the tree fell and would have occluded anybody else's vision, suddenly there are just a kaleidoscope of impossible things allowing you to see where everything is. So you can see the one that is buried and, and pinned down by a branch. You can see the other two that are still up against the wall, the ones that you phased that you were actually in a position to destroy. And that's when a voice starts speaking into your mind. And suddenly, what you're looking at isn't Furman. And you're no longer on the, the stone scrub of the the mine but instead you're in a very familiar forest you can actually still feel the wet blood of your sister on your hands from where you picked her up where she fell and those three things in front of you are the dragon blooded that took her life and in your mind you hear a voice and that voice says yet twisted progeny from which you've pushed form into the wild Familial only in loose heritage and selfish, destructive mistakes. A quick death is too good for you, you monstrosities. And then suddenly your sister's voice echoes in your mind. Do you want to see the things you hate broken before you with their weapons less than a breeze on your cheek? And then the two voices merge. Love and embrace me into your heart. And I will ensure that until the Karu Falls flow into the sky, you shall be so empowered. Do you accept me, brother? So what do you do? Uh, fuck. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> hey, it worked for Star Wars. I mean, we could get mechanical here. Um, I can roll to see if you want to try to resist this social influence role that is occurring and pulling on a number of your intimacies. <laughs> I, I can. Uh, well, and I, I would, if you would like. Yeah, let's do it. I, 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 I feel I don't have the capacity to make this decision right now. Okay, that's fair. Um, let's and real leave it quick, up to, to dice. For the record, I'm just staring. Like okay, well, I, this, I do not have a reaction. This is a weird thing because, like in in real land, in reality, uh, Kair is actually just wreathed in shadow tentacles uh, that are bleeding um, fairy dust. So you know, 
That's why I'm not quite sure how to react. That's yeah. why I'm just I'm just riding this right now. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right, just give me one second. So first we had all this talk of, of demons that Rojan isn't sure to believe, and now Raven's going to come up and say, oh, by the way, the rat, uh, yeah, it's actually like a <laughs> demon octopus. <laughs> okay, so what yeah. is your guile? Uh, I don't think guile exists in this edition. Oh, sorry. Oh, geez. Yeah, I, it does. Sorry. Uh, it's, a, it's a measurement. Sorry, I meant your resolve, which is wits plus integrity, including applicable specialty rounded down by two, or, uh, rounded by, or divided by two, rounded up. Uh, so uh, that would be one. Cool. Please hold. <laughs> okay, now he's... Uh, I'm just going to leave you with the one. I was going to say, like, uh, uh, applying all the intimacy to C's and stuff, this... Uh, I'd really just apply one major intimacy, uh, which is mm -hmm. the hate of the dragon-blooded, but it doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to see if I can beat one, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Oh, look, you did it. Cool. Okay, that's good to know. Also, yeah... There you go. So, social attack by a fair folk, everybody. Uh, that's 12 dice. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So in uh, that case, uh, Kyer, just for the sake of uh, for the sake of what Raven sees uh, in all of that kind of tenderly, very dusty madness, um, you just see him kind of slowly nod and speak of the word yes. Okay. So here is what happens. Number one, you develop a, a minor intimacy of love towards Muckdog. Okay. Number two, and this is something that I will try to track and I recommend that you try to track, anything that you fight that you would define as hating, you now get plus two on all attacks and plus two on all defense. For the immediate future until I say you don't. Okay. So that's an additional plus two to every attack and every defense action you do against something you hate. Additionally, I will be responsible for tracking everything that Muckdog hates. Um, and everything that you fight that Muckdog hates, you will get plus two attack and plus two defense. Oh boy. And guess what? Muckdog hates demons that's handy yeah not that this matters but is this uh, like for me but like is this cumulative <laughs> uh yes this is just two additional um like so it'll be two additional dice and then uh, a plus two modifier to his defense okay no no yeah i was just making sure oh right right because they're different modifiers sorry that's what i hadn't written down right yep uh and they do not apply to you they apply no i didn't only think to so yeah, i was only just... to cut your I was like, I mean, yeah, if you cross something they both hate, I was like, that's a hell of a bonus. Oh, gotcha. So plus four, no, no, not presently. Okay. But, uh, you know, give give this fair folk time around Kair and maybe we can get there, you know? Well, you know, hey, I'm new to the party. Huh? I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if he can work his magic. But, uh, yeah, that's where you are. Okay, so also we are starting at the top of a new round for combat. Um, Kair, I was going to initiate the, the fight with what is effectively becoming a battle group of demons, but you still have an incredible initiative. You've, I think you're sitting up at 18 initiative over two crashed Furman and the other one is now 
like crippled and under a tree. Thank you, Rojan. So what would you like to do? And actually, I'll, I'll read out the initiative tracker so everybody understands where you're sitting. Regardless of what happens, Kair is going to get to decide what happens first because he's all the way at the top. But I'll read the initiative tracker to everybody so they know what's going on. Okay, so we have Kair sitting up at 18. And then the next people who will be able to move are Raven and uh, Trapped Furman at at five. Then we've got Rojan at four. There was a bit of forgetfulness that occurred at the end of the last battle or at the end of the last session. So one of the Furman was sitting at around zero. So I dropped him to negative one because I, I felt that a tree dropping on them made sense that they would drop to maybe negative one because um, they had crashed. And the other one was sitting at negative four. So those two are considered being in uh, in a crashed state. Now what is happening around you is the rest of the nest is waking up. Um, what initially appeared like a bunch of scattered nests is actually just one single large nest with the spikes coming out of different entranceways. So it's probably safe to assume that those spikes kind of litter the entire interior of at least components of the mine. But yeah, the uh, effectively what's happened is you've woken up the entire nest and everything that's in it is starting to move to attack but they won't they won't merge and form a battle group until this first round of combat is resolved so that is the scene kair what would you like to do so what how far away from one of the crashed ones am i in terms of range band i believe you are either short or medium distance i i think it was medium it was oh jesus i'm sorry i can actually i remember. believe it was medium yeah yeah i think it is yeah cool so after after saying that um kyra is just going to kind of chuckle softly pull up his bow mutter you killed her um and fire a uh i'm gonna do a i guess a decisive shot at uh one of the uh one of the crashed boys Okay, in which case you just roll to beat their beat their defense. Uh, yeah, so you roll the attack to beat their defense, which is just a regular attack roll, and then you roll your entire initiative pool and damage <laughs> to actually wound them. Um, so all you have to do is, I believe their defense, I'll let you know one second. Right, so a defense of three, if you can get through... Yeah, if you can get through a parry of three, because they don't actually have any needles on them right now, and they're kind of up against the wall, both of the ones that you you staggered effectively. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's six successes. Okay. So now what you do is you roll um, you roll 18 dice. They mm -hmm. do not double. So any successes you get only count as one, but every single success you get is applied as damage to uh, to this creature's health track. Okay. Um, do I add the damage on my weapon? No. In this case, you don't. This is just entirely uh, initiative. Okay. The, the damage on your weapon would only apply during weathering attacks. Okay. And um, does overwhelming have anything to do with... Uh, in no way. Uh, the okay. only thing that would protect these, these creatures would be hardness. And when you are crashed... Your hardness uh, goes to zero. Okay. So if you're wearing armor, you might have hardness applied to you or if you have some kind of supernatural defenses, but um, um, anybody who gets crashed, your hardness goes to zero. And this is how you would actually hurt like stronger opponents mm -hmm. 
is crashing them. Okay. Uh, so 18, you said? Yep, 18 dice. That's where you're sitting. <laughs> also six successes. Oof. Okay. Um, so that counts as a successful decisive attack. Uh, your initiative now resets to three. Um, that doesn't mean you're going to go again this turn at three. It just means that next round you'll be starting at three. Yeah. But we will count the successes on the initiative roll, which is six total. So you apply six damage to to the target that you just attacked. Now that, that target is actually wounded now. Um, I'm going to let you know that these demons are pretty hardy, so you have done a lot of damage to it. Effectively, uh, and also your bow is no slouch. Mm-hmm. So imagine... Uh, the best way to describe it for, for anybody, uh, take the time to look up Boromir getting shot by the Urukai <laughs> in oh, Lord yes, of the I, Rings. I have to look that up. I definitely don't remember that. Because <laughs> uh, it, like, just enormously powerful hits from an, an incredible bow. Um, and that one of those just thunked right into just the lower chest cavity of this creature in such a way that like black Icar starts to shoot out of its back and the arrow itself actually, um, actually knocks into the stone behind it. And there's, there's a bit of a flash and, uh, uh, stone chips actually shoot up, but it is still standing definitely badly injured. Another shot like that would 100% kill anything, but uh, yeah. So it's it's still moving, and now we will move on to the next combatant, which is Raven and a pinned Furman. And I can tell you right now that Furman's not going anywhere. Is just going to struggle and try and lift the tree, and it's not going to work. <laughs> so, okay. So that's not going to work. Um, and so I'm up in the tree at medium distance, and... Am I correct that uh, this all kind of happened just outside of the cave entrance or the mine entrance? Uh, one of many of the entrances, yes. Okay. Uh, there, there are numerous chutes down into the cave, and those other chutes are where uh, more firmen are starting to form up and come out. Okay, so we are near an opening, and that's where this is all taking place. Yes, and actually, Rojan has done a very good job of effectively sealing that entrance. <laughs> right. You can climb over a tree and then climb through the spikes, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a little tough. And then, Rojan, where are you in reference to us? One down tree over. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a little <laughs> bit closer. I think I had to close the the gap a little bit in order to get close enough to actually drop a tree on gotcha. to a nest. So we got one guy pinned, and I've got equal initiative with uh, the pinned one, right? Yes. And then we've got the one that's just been run through pretty hard with an arrow. And then we've got a third, right? That's, is it staggered? Like, where is it? And what's its initiative? I'm trying to remember. Uh, it's, it's initiative. Okay, so we'll say that the, the Furman that just got hit was the negative one, and there's a negative four Furman who was right beside it, who gotcha. basically just watched their buddy get shot. I need to get closer. But if I move, sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm doing my best to wrap my head around all the aspects of combat. Um, I know what I want to do, but if I move, can I take an action when I get, like I can go from, my goal is to get from medium to short range 
And then do I still have capacity to take an action or no? Probably not. Um, that would be a, to get to that point right now, that would be a rush action. I don't okay. think you could take another action without performing a flurry, and that would apply a negative. Uh, Stu, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe that was an, either a negative two or negative three to all actions. Not going to do that. Then I guess the last question is: um, out of the the two guys, let's let, let me talk specifically about the negative four guy. Um, like, is he looking at us? Is he facing us? And he's looking at Kair. Yes. Okay. And in reference to, so take our tree and the downed tree, are they in between those areas or? No, uh, the, the downed tree, basically the top of that tree fell into the entrance. Right. And there's a guy pinned underneath. Yeah. And so I'm saying in reference to where I am between, like, where is, where's the negative four guy in reference to the down tree? The entrance tree to the us? cave, uh, the entrance okay. to the cave, okay. right up against the cave behind the spikes. Okay, now I'm visualizing this better. Okay, okay. Yeah, and the reason why you didn't run in last time is because it, it right. it's going to be a difficulty modifier to get through those spikes. Yes. Um, and this is broad daylight, right? No, actually, we're getting into dusk and evening. It has been a long day. Yeah. So what I want to do is get closer to them and not necessarily... Um, doing it without them noticing. I just don't think they're going to pay much attention given everything. And I'm going to leverage, try to leverage some stealth. I'm just trying to figure out if I want to do this in kind of like an Arab, you know, like acrobatic kind of way, or if I want to do this on the ground and I'm not thinking of my charm, just in case. Okay, Fred, what do you want to do? What, just tell me what you want to do and I'll let you know if you can do it. What I'm trying to do is drop down and, my goal would be to drop down, circle around um, so that I can get close to them, but ideally doing it in kind of like a, a wide band so that I'm kind of quietly getting close without them taking much notice to me, if none at all. In fact, the goal is to be as quiet as possible to to get close enough to them so they're within short range, but possibly even out of eye shot, especially because they're pinned up, like maybe on, you know near the sides of the entrance okay do you want to basically spend a rush or do a rush and initiate stealth or do a reflective move which will eliminate one range band so that'll put you in short and perform a stealth roll yes i want to do the the second one i want to basically try to do this in a stealthy way right okay almost engaging stealth first then dropping down and making my move Okay, in which case I would say uh, that's a that's a deck stealth check. You get the reflexive movement of one range band. Like, that just happens, so you okay. move from medium to short range. So you drop out of the tree, and then you basically roll into uh, whatever situation you want, and then your stealth roll will decide whether or not you're able to initiate stealth. Nobody's focused on you right now, but there are mm-hmm. a bunch of Furman coming out. Right. Um, I'll, I'll roll a perception awareness for that battle group. But this immediate group of people, like one of them is concerned about a leg under a tree. The other two are concerned right. about the, uh, the, the glitter dust demon in the sky. Yes. Uh, so you're, yeah, you're doing all right. So, okay. So I'm just, am I just doing a regular stealth roll? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a deck stealth. Deck I'll give stealth, you, sorry, yeah. Yeah, that's a deck stealth. So I'll just, uh, you just roll that up. And Rojan, just so we have an idea as the deck stealth is rolled, 
Um, what are you hoping to do? Because you're next in the docket. Well, does Rojan know that there are more coming? Uh, yes. Everybody knows. So we see him flooding out? Yes. it's You can see it. It's, it's a relatively flat area with the only bumps in the landscape being uh, shrubs uh, or entrances that happen to have spikes coming out of them right now. Uh, and now Furman. <laughs> so, uh, and well, for the what it's worth, tree. oh, sorry. For what it's worth, I got two successes. Yes, I can see that. So that is great to know. Uh, and we will see if <laughs> we'll see if they can break that when when they roll to see if they can see you. But what would you like to do, Stu? All right, Rojan is going to kind of um, crouch down a little bit behind. The, the, the stump and the base of the tree that he just chopped down just to kind of obscure himself a little bit from from the Furman nests. And Rojan is actually going to shapeshift. I, I wasn't going to do this yet, but I think I'm going to. So he's shapeshifting again. Um, <laughs> and it's tempting to turn into a butterfly and just fuck off. <laughs> but uh, he's going to turn into a hellbore. I am comfortable with that. Uh, how would you like to describe that to anybody who can see it happening? Well, he'd kind of like, so he's going to dive behind the base of the tree and kind of go on his knees. And it's, it, he's pretty quickly going to, you know, his hands are going to turn into hooves and his, his knees or his legs are going to shorten. And um, he's, putting on a lot of weight really, really quick because hellbores are actually pretty sizable creatures. Um, they they are kind of what they sound like. They're like boars from hell. Um, really <laughs> nasty, nasty tusks on them. Hairy, bonkers, stinky. Um, not much fun to sit near. But yeah, I mean, the, the, tra- the transformation <laughs> is similar to like the same kind of um, the clothing and everything just immediately changes shade and changes texture and just kind of he just slips slips into a new form all right in which case you have now shifted into uh hell bore form and that is horrifying uh i was gonna say i looked it up and that's about what i thought it would be but this is a little more visceral yeah it's (laughs) uh take take the princess mononoke bores and then add really mean um, yeah, and then he'll uh, kind of trot out a little bit, and um, he's actually going to find a nice uh, little barren patch and actually start kind of stomping at the ground and, and kicking up a bit of dust, doing doing circles and staring down the Furman. Ooh, look at that. Look at you. Okay, in which case we will move on to Furman number one. Furman number one was not uh the Furman that was calling for help but the initial Furman that got shocked Furman number two Kair just uh just really shot was the one calling for help Furman number one uh with the display of genuine concern for a nest mate grabs the other Furman that has just been shot and they start to withdraw into the cave and that is the end of the round so we are going to reset 
you will still be <laughs> you're, you'll be pleased to know you're, you're still able to shoot the evil dirty um, appearing as dragon blooded uh, Furman for at least another round but now we have a battle group that is very quickly forming up um, they are accumulating in magnitude and they will be joining this next round now that is to say this round so last round they were getting together this round they are together next round I'm going to roll initiative for them and then they are going to start fighting and I'm just letting you know a battle group of demons kind of scary if you do not want them to hit you so just <laughs> like do everything you can to not get hit by them if you are going to continue to engage them and can that is we, something I'm going to say to everyone. Can we eyeball their numbers? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know what? I would just give you this for now. Usually sure. I would do a perception war check, which I'm sure you're all really great at. Mm. But we're talking a size two. So this is a few dozen demons. So like a couple dozen. Are they still, am I still kind of reading them as dragon bloods? That is starting to fall away from your eyes, and uh, not that anybody's looking anymore, but Muckdog is actually starting to settle down. He got what he wanted, so he is starting to settle down. But he's still sort of goading you on. So, okay, so we're, we're about to enter... Oh, man, I can't... I can't talk to anybody. One's a boar, the other one's locked in the immortal embrace. Uh, okay. What's up, Fred? No, no, no. I, w I was going to say something, but I just don't think there's value to it, even if they could hear me. Okay, so we are going to, we are now entering the next round. Uh, this is the initiative order. Pinned Furman under a tree. <laughs> Raven. <laughs> uh, Rojan, who your action uh, did not reduce your initiative. As far as I can remember, I don't think shape-changing reduces initiative. No. Uh, then Kair. Then Furman 1 and Furman 2. After this round, if uh, nobody has engaged Furman 1 and Furman 2, they will escape into the mine. They are still in Crash. I haven't been able to find this yet, but I'm pretty sure some something in Crash doesn't get knocked out of Crash after a decisive attack. So we can look that rule up later, but right now I'm just leaving them in Crash until they do something that gets them out of Crash. Um, but they're not actively trying to do that. They're just trying to disengage and run away. Which puts them at a disadvantage because they're effectively turning their backs to you. Uh, so I'm just going to leave them in crash for now. Uh, what's the range band to the uh, the battle group? The battle group, I would say they are they're forming up, so they're formed. They are presently medium range. Okay. Now, what about me? Since I'm right next to the entrance. You're right next to the entrance, so I would say that for you, they're closer to short range. Okay. Uh, actually, you just reminded me. I gotta I gotta make a roll quick. Yeah. <laughs> So just for clarification, um, when you get initiative crashed, your initiative resets if you survive three consecutive rounds. And also remember that each round during combat, uh, you regain five essence. Oh, okay. Yes, sorry. So at the top of this round, uh, any essence that was spent, uh, fill it up by five. Also, if you start spending at a peripheral, please let me know because uh, that's when the fireworks start. <laughs> so do I find out whether or not my my ability to be undetected worked? Uh, yeah, I can already tell you. I just rolled uh, their awareness, which is 
real good. Um, oh, <laughs> they, they don't know you're there. Yeah, they don't know oh, you're there. Oh, they don't know. Oh, okay. The, uh, yeah, they have no... You rolled a two. I rolled a one. <laughs> I almost rolled a botch. Oh, um, that would have been great. They, like, run <laughs> off the cliff. No. <laughs> Flaming demon Jesus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they all run away. Yeah. Um, so you're good. You're good, man. Uh, you are stealthed. You can do sneak attacks on, on anybody right now. Yeah, and I am... <clears throat> Okay, and I'm I'm up first, right? Yes, you are going to be up first. You, well, you and the pinned person, but the pinned person, I wow. can assure you, is still going to try to make themselves not pinned. <laughs> Good luck. Pin person sounds like a great name for a knockoff Hellraiser character. It, right. <laughs> well, it's the socially conscious pinhead. <laughs> but, uh, no, I do think I just want to do a... Um, uh, a stealth backstab to the uh, negative four who's helping his buddy try to go get away. Okay. Uh, okay. Cool. 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 Uh, oh dear. Okay. <laughs> oh shit. Cold. Oh. Cold blooded raven. <laughs> All right, do it. I'm just gonna tell hey, you. Hey, look, right everybody now. else is in fighter fighter flight mode, so here we go. <laughs> Okay, so uh, you have two options. You can either attack with a withering or attack with a decisive. If you attack with withering, it's just going to lower their initiative right. and, and increase yours. But if you attack with a decisive, then you apply all of the initiative that you have as uh, damage dice. Right. But first, what you have to do is roll an attack. Right, and so that's what I want to do. I want to do a decisive attack on this one. Okay, do you want to do a decisive attack against the uninjured one? Is that correct? the right the the negative four uh you referred to it as i believe Furman one here let's see uh Furman one okay so the uninjured one all right in which case so you make your regular attack roll um so that's with all the the uh modifiers uh, keeping in mind that uh this thing has no defense so you just have to get one success to hit right and Okay, this is where I'm going to need a little help on my stats. The, okay, so my ex- explanation for why this thing has no defense is he's doing a sneak attack. So it doesn't get a defense value for this attack. This is really valuable if you start a combat with, like, say you start a combat in stealth and you roll high initiative initially. Mm-hmm. You can actually really cause some serious damage because nobody has a defense value against you. But if they have hardness or they're not in crash, like, it's... It's still a gamble to do a decisive attack against someone who isn't crashed, but they're both crashed. So, right. so what did you want to know? Uh, what what value am I using to roll? Is it um, your value is your dex plus melee, okay. and then uh, your your weapon, which I'll let you describe in a second, oh, is plus actually, four accuracy. Yeah, actually, at this point, um, that one we talked about. Uh, it's not with me um so i'm actually just using the uh the dagger i entered with okay still just plus four still Uh, still, plus four but it'll be lethal so it's plus four and then uh dex plus melee and this is just a hit right so once you hit then you just roll your initiative here we go and five successes okay uh so then uh you are now going to be (laughs) yeah so you hit now roll your yeah you definitely hit yeah. so now you roll your initiative there's no additional modifiers you just roll your initiative 
worth in dice, and uh, tens do not double for this roll. You are five. You're five. Five. Right now. Okay. Sorry. Uh, okay. So one, two, five, three. So no. Oh no. Yeah. Three successes. Yeah. Oh. So that's three successes. So that's uh, you. You inflict three damage. <laughs> you you scuttle through the spikes, slide in, and land your knife just as the creature hears you like hears you coming at at the very last second um tries to spin so instead of like shooting your knife right into uh, a vital organ it instead uh bangs off of a rib but rips a really nasty gash along uh, the side of the creature's ribs and it recoils in pain and actually a little bit of terror and just falls against the wall Right. So, yeah, uh, your initiative gets reset to three. And, um, yeah, these things are going to be out of initiative crash at the end of this turn. So they will be re-rolling their initiative and they will re-roll roll, and the battle group will roll. So next up, we've got next up, we've got Rojan. Rojan, you are now a giant hellbore. What would you like to do? Um, I'm really just looking to head off the battle group. Cool. In what fashion? Is this an attack or is this something else? N- no. Uh, d- like, is this battle group like actually starting to swarm in our direction at this point? One hundred percent. Yes, they will have an initiative value next round unless one of you engage them. In which case, I'll roll it now so that everybody has an idea of what it is and they can like try to beat it. Okay. Uh, I am just doing a a defense. So right now, I'm just kind of waiting. Actually, plus three to your yeah. defense. Yeah. Oh. Um, it would be plus two. I think full defense is just plus two. I could be mistaken. I'll check, but but okay, that's yeah, that's, you check. that's what I'm doing. I just I want yeah. I'm like Rojan is looking at the group and trying to make sure that when they come out, they are coming his way. Okay, well, as as a heads up, the group is coming from a different a bunch of different holes and basically amalgamating into a single core. So they have come out. They are assembling. They will. They'll be moving next round. But if that's what you want to do, if you want to do defense, then awesome. We can move on to Kair. Yep, that's it. Okay, Kair. So the veil of uh, just such a bad memory dream is slowly lifting from your eyes, and <laughs> you you just shot a demon, but you don't feel bad about it unless you tell me that you do. I don't think I feel bad about it. Okay, good. It's a demon. Yeah, that's right. It's a demon. Demon. So now what are you going to do? Uh, so I'm going to be doing a, a shape sorcery action. <laughs> oh, sick. Uh, so Kaya's going to uh, take his bow and just sort of flip it around his head so the, the string is just sort of hanging around his neck and reach his two hands out to the left and right and just start, um, like, trembling a little bit and pulling in energy from the nature around him, like just bits of uh, kind of the, the energy of the natural world um, to start doing that, because uh, i got to make a 
an intelligence occult roll to get up to my sorcerer's moats here. Yep, that is that is exactly what you do. And because of your specialty in trans uh, transmutation, uh, you can actually start shifting air moats into into sorcerer's moats as well. So you get an additional one to that roll. Sick. I haven't. I have uh, I have an idea of where this is going to go. I'm sure you know. Um, but you're not getting the extra two yet until you make that attack. Yeah. Um, but th- I that am, said, you've just. I am going Sorry, go to, uh, for the sake of the the image and everything, I'm going to be pulling five essence peripheral. Whoa! Um, so you're starting. Your case mark starts to show. Yeah going to start pulling that in and anybody listening closely may hear like just like the, a weird almost echo um of uh what sounds like distant bird song nice but uh yeah i will be uh building up for <laughs> for death of obsidian butterflies okay um, in in which case i will give that a two point stunt so you get two additional okay. dice to your roll after uh the dice that you're adding with your with your excellency yeah. uh you get one automatic success and then you will get one point of willpower one point of willpower back you just get one which yeah. is funny because you had to spend one to start casting the spell <laughs> i sure did so uh as i'm doing this i'm also going to call out when i say get out of the way <laughs> Yes, and how many how many sorcerer smotes do you have to accumulate for the spell, just so that everybody knows? Uh, fifteen. Ooh, yes, this is gonna take a little bit. Yeah, I could theoretically do it right here, but probably not. Uh. Okay. Um. So that's happening. And that's everybody. Eight successes. Whoa, that's a nice roll. Uh, good job. Also, a lot of ones okay. and twos in there, eh? Um. So, <laughs> uh, you can anybody around can actually see. On top of what on top of what Dan just described, when he says that he's reaching out and basically just grasping at the air and shifting it into sorcerous moats, uh, this is tangible, in and visible in in the way that sort of that fairy dust magic display was tangible. But it's like it goes from one extreme to the other in that like this is shaping into something. It, it, it's looking almost like crystalline like it hasn't taken exact shape or form or color yet but he is out of nothing out of thin air constructing something and you can actually feel a thrum like within your within your soul you can feel something building and uh yeah so that's initiative let's uh (laughs) let's see what else is going on So meanwhile, uh, back in Fermentown, um, the two Furmen are now swinging back around to address Raven. They're both injured now. One is uh, is bleeding a little bit. The other one is staggered and horribly wounded. I mean, they both got nasty wounds, but but one of them's in better shape than the other one. And the one that's in better shape drops its hand down. And you can hear, it's it's not a sucking sound. Uh, I guess the best description is like, sort of like the slapping sound of Play-Doh or something wet like slime 
hitting a wall as it slaps its hand against the wall and the slime that's coming out of the end of its fingertips solidifies into what is a, effectively a, a, a facsimile of, of an axe or a club. And it holds just that hard lump up at Raven. So it's just prepared a weapon and is now going to fight you. Mm-hmm. But it's not attacking this round. It's just right. it drew a weapon. It's a, it's a letter of intent. Right. So these Furmen have now reset. They will be rolling their initiative. The battle group will be rolling its initiative. When they reset, they just reset to three. They don't re-roll. Oh, that's really? I didn't know that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Also, uh, did you look up defense? Did you get two or three? I knew there was something I was supposed to look at. (laughs) I would appreciate if you could figure that out. (laughs) Actually, while he's figuring that out, one uh, kind of pragmatic question here. We're kind of like along the side of the cave entrance right here where we're fighting, where the tree kind of downed. One of you is. What? You are. Me. Yes, yes. And so, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm currently, when I say we, I meant me and the Furman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and the yeah. two Furman. The royal uh, That's where we are. Now, yeah. the, the pack... Are they still just emerging and they're starting to move this round or have the, like where are they located in reference to me and the two vermin? Um, I would say, uh, so you are now in the cave, so you're not in direct eye contact with any of them. They okay. can't really see you. In fact, they probably don't know that this happened. Uh, okay. Nobody was pouring out of this cave in particular, but... You don't know what else is down there uh, without nope. the knowledge of that cutscene. Well, a cutscene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to uh, go running into, charging into the the uh, the mine at this moment. Clever girl. Is, is you not is not that, shit? that yeah that okay? So I wasn't the only one who was thinking of that. Yes, yeah. no, no, no. I've seen that, um, and uh, the special edition version had far more stormtroopers. So no, that is not my thought process. We'll see what happens here. But yeah, if okay. the initiative's reset to to three, that does put me in a slightly better place than I thought I was going to be. Actually, yes, because when you performed your decisive attack and then succeeded, you were also reset to three. So I right know. now, just so everybody knows, um, Kair, you're sitting at three because the sorceress thing didn't really move your initiative up or down, unless casting suggests that it does, but I, I can't see that anywhere. No, it doesn't. Um, uh, Raven, you're sitting at three, and both of the Furman are at three, so all of you are going to go at once, so simultaneously, uh, which <laughs> means that it'll be a face-to-face roll uh, if you attack the one that drew a weapon on you. And I don't think anybody's coming after you, Kair, who is going at the same time as you. It'll, it just might be the battle group. So let's see how they roll for initiative. Are you guys ready for this? Because it's like the same roll as it was to figure out... <laughs> Yeah, it's, <laughs> where yeah. Raven we, was. We should be sitting pretty. Oh, wow. Okay, so they start at okay. three and get one for four. So they're going at four. One last thing, and this is for Kair. Didn't you say something like, when I say so, get out of the way or something? Yep. <laughs> okay, just making sure. I know uh, what I'm doing. For information's sake, out of the way is at a long range band distance. Okay, well, I'm going to do what I can. <laughs> Getting down would also probably suffice. Yeah, uh, duck duck and cover. 
<laughs> duck and cover. Duck, dip, dodge, duck, and dodge. So <laughs> here is the initiative order. Pinned Furman is still pinned and still getting aggravated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, like has the best initiative out of everyone. Um, Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> uh, the Hellbore uh, that is Rojan and the Furman battle group are at four. And then one Furman number one. Furman number two, Kair, and Raven are all at three. So at the top, the Furman number three has basically resigned to observe what is going on. Is So, like, looking over, seeing what Raven's doing to um, the other Furman that were just, you know, trying to extract themselves from the situation and get out. Looking up at Kair, who was a few moments ago, a a shadowy sparkly hell beast um and this is from a creature that comes from hell the equivalent to like the shining uh hated god hell beast (laughs) that everyone in malpheus knows and is just sort of taking note of that and is really with like those dark discs that it calls eyes just taking this all in as there's also a, a giant board that has appeared that he can't really see from his position Right, so Rojan, you and the Furman Battle Group are now moving. The Furman Battle Group is going to move on the individual that initiated combat, uh, which is the the shadowy mystery figure that is now glowing in a tree. They are, you can I can say this with confidence because you're going to be able to see it. They're pouring out needles. They're ready. They're going to basically throw at. They're going to move forward and volley at uh at Kair. okay so what are you doing rojan uh i'm quickly looking up defend other to see if you have to be close range for that or not yes within close within close range so are you close or are you short i think you're short because he's up a tree and you were down on the ground yeah yeah we're not close how good of a climber is your giant hell boar? You'd be surprised. <laughs> well, knowing boars in the real world, He's excellent. Probably. You get really <laughs> good at on bark. Yeah, so what, do you, what would you like to do, Stu? Uh, I wasn't really planning on doing this, but I guess I am going to charge into this group. <laughs> oh, Stu. Oh, Rodin. Oh, this is gonna be bad. But yep, yep, nope. Just gonna, just gonna hellbore, gonna hellbore, and <laughs> nose down and pile into this group and uh, see if I can actually, you know, bull all the way through to the other side. Um, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm carving a line. Okay, so them. how are you gonna do that? Like they're. They're short. You'd have to... Oh, so are you going to reflexively move and attack? Yes. Okay, so then you can close the range band from short to them to close and then attack. Okay, that works. Yeah, I just I wanted to understand how you're doing it. In which case, continue to describe your massacre. <laughs> uh, well, uh, he's been kicking up a bunch of the dust, uh, and he's 
Rojan is charging at them so fast, he's actually creating a vacuum and pulling all of this dust behind him, which he's going to use to scatter shot pellets into all these eyes of all these stupid vermin so they can't see him coming and don't know where they're throwing their needles. And, uh, yeah, just tearing up into the middle of them, swinging his tusks absolutely wildly. Uh, Rojan doesn't fight with a lot of grace, even when he's not a boar. So... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sweet. So I will give you a a two-dot stunt for that, so that's uh, two additional dice, one automatic success, and one point of willpower if you want it back. Uh, Also, because it's the top of initiative order, uh, any modes that were spent last round, uh, including the five modes that you spent last round, Dan Mm -hmm. and Kair, uh, you get them back. And so as a defense, uh, you are not a small uh, target. You are not in stealth. This large band of demons sees you coming, and what some of them do is they actually slap their hands together and then pull back and solidify the film that comes out of their fingernails and start building a shield to try and stop your advance. And they all start uh, just smushing together, sticking their hands together, and and creating what is effectively just a giant black orb. Um, They're leaving it a little viscous, hoping to maybe even catch you in the defensive action. But that's just those who are facing you. So they're going to get a defense of got a, a, a defense of five that you have to beat. You got your two dot, two dot stunt, so feel free to make your I guess Dex is this a uh, brawl? Yes, because you're you're a, a savage animal. I believe it's um, pronounced brawl. Brawl. <laughs> so this will be your Dex brawl. Feel free to use any excellencies that you want. I've already <laughs> divulged their parry value. The <laughs> so, the only other thing we're noting is that. In, in this savage fighting style that Rojan seems to have, uh, he doesn't use his dexterity when he's striking people. He, he's not, there's no element of, of grace or elegance. He's not aiming anything. He just swings incredibly hard. Uh, when he's aiming his attacks, he uses strength, not dex. Oh, I see what you're doing here. You want to stunt in such a way as to be able to. No, no. To use your no. thing. Rojan has a charm. He uses strength to hit, not well, dex, all the time. Right, but then you could also, if you're gonna, if you're gonna use your excellency, mix them both together. If you stunted it the right way, do you understand? Uh, I, I do. I'm, I'm just saying he gets to use strength normally anyway. <laughs> okay. Yep. Good point. So I was wrong when I said they have a defense value of five uh, because they are a battle group and they have a might characteristic. They actually have a defense of six. Then I will spend a willpower for an auto success. You can do that on attack roll still, right? Yep. Yes, you can spend a willpower anytime. You just can't spend multiple willpower in a single round. So unless it's social combat and there's special charms involved. So, Stu, you've got... Did you count the two-day stunt with the auto-success as yep. well? Yes, you did. Good. Whoa. If you weren't in a different form and your bracers were out, that would matter. Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> not for this, I don't think. Oh, uh, my. Uh, that's a pretty big one. Uh, so that was 12 uh, successes. Okay. Stu just rolled 12 successes. 
12 successes on 18 dice, which is above average and incredibly awesome. Okay, so <laughs> Stu, you uh, you definitely hit. They have a soak of six because it's three regular and then because of their size. Sorry, a soak of five. So take your weapon damage or uh, take whatever pool you have and just remove five from it. So uh, auto successes after the initial defense of six and you rolled 12. So you get six additional uh, successes on this plus your weapon damage and then take away five for their soak. <laughs> wow. Holy um, crap. Okay, that's, so let's... Yeah, that's, uh, that's 10, ten successes. successes, yeah. Um, okay, so here's what's going to happen. Uh, just hold one second. Number one, that was a successful attack, so your initiative would automatically go up by one. Uh, number two, your initiative just went up by ten. <laughs> because of, uh, <laughs> I'm assuming this is a withering attack. Yep. Uh, uh, otherwise, we wouldn't have done any of this. On both of those so, rolls, that's a two-thirds success rate. Uh, he's a lucky man. Um, uh, 40% roll chance like that's so then because this is a battle group all of your rolls actually apply to to their magnitude so you just did what is effectively (laughs) 10 damage to them so everything you described crashing in like they they take the time to try and put up that shield and you burst through it and you just have this black icor like scraping off and away on you as you are just slamming these things aside and around you actually stomp on one and um this this display like people are actually dying uh, and by people i mean demons are actually um hitting a point where they would uh they would stop their bodily functions and what happens as these demons would effectively die is instead their essence gets sucked back into Malpheus so there are just these moments of bodies contorting in impossible ways that suddenly result in just a blast of silver white sand and like just the smell of copper and a little bit of green green flame and then these things just disappear and that is happening a lot as this enormous hell bore from hell uh slams <laughs> through this through this group and does a significant amount of damage i'm just gonna actually write this all down give yeah. me one sec way to kill steel stew i they're still funny though. yeah i was planning on sitting there and defending eight, four, and then they just eight, kind six, of seven, formed eight, a line nine, <laughs> Bowler's got a bowl. All right, so um, battle groups are new for a lot of people. Uh, Battle groups function on a magnitude tracker. Stu, you just blasted through over half of their magnitude, but they are still holding rank. They have not broken, and they have not been forced to make a check whenever you get through their entire magnitude magnitude track, so that's like a, a health bar, but for a battle group. Their size reduces, and they're forced to make a check. That hasn't happened yet. So you've you've gotten those successes, but you you haven't quite gotten through all of their health levels yet. Once you do, their magnitude will shrink. Right now they're at size two, they'll shrink to size one. You get them past size one, they effectively break. But if you get them down from two to one, they have to make a morale check. And I'm telling you right now, these are not the bravest demons around. So yeah, you have rattled them, you have hurt this battle group. 
uh, they have noticed, but they still intended to attack the initial aggressor, though I expect that will not last for long. <laughs> so, so now, uh, yeah, I'm going to do an attack on, on our good friend. Kair up in the tree. Cool. So Kair up in the so tree. Does, does anything happen to their initiative? No. Uh, battle groups just have a static initiative. Okay. They do not go up. They do not go down. You can gain initiative from fighting them. But basically anything you do to them, any withering you do to them, is damage on their magnitude track. Cool. So he actually hit them. He was actually killing them. Yeah. And more specifically, the spell that I, I know you are casting has p- like positive modifiers to basically wreck magnitude. Oh yeah. Like anything no, that's, that's, that's why I picked it. Yeah. Anything that's formed up, as long as you can get that spell off, uh, you're laughing. But what's important to note is right now they are attempting to attack you because you mm-hmm. were the initial aggressor and you just really got to hope they don't hit you. So mm-hmm. even though on the one flank, they are getting absolutely decimated by a hellbore. En- enough of them are still focused on attacking you that needles are starting to shoot up into the air and even actual like javelin-sized weapons mm-hmm. are coming in your direction. So I'm about to make an attack roll. I'm not stunting this. I'm just describing this is what's happening. These things are coming towards you. How would you like to defend? Um, is there a, uh, a branch underneath me? You tell me. <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? Um, so, I mean, I'm going to be going in for the evasion route. But essentially what I'd like to do is uh, when I see those coming, I want to not even, like, I don't want to do anything as grandiose as a flip, but just sort of step back off of the branch with my arms still out um, and, like, like still kind of gathering energy and just land down on the branch below it trying to avoid um, the majority of the uh, needles coming. Okay, uh, in which case I would say, uh, Stu, if you could look up spell casting and just see if there's a negative modifier to defense, we're not going to pay attention to that right now, but just uh, moving forward if there is, it's good to know. But um, right now I'm going to give you a, a one-point stunt so that gives you plus one to your defense as is. Mm-hmm. Are you unarmed or are you holding your staff? Uh, the bow is slung around my neck right now. Okay, in which case I think this is uh, this would be your like sort of uh, your dodge value, so like evasion. Um, yeah. In which my case... evasion is four. Okay, so your evasion is four, so then it would be up by one, so now it's five. And have I still got the plus two from Muck Dog? Absolutely, cool. <laughs> absolutely. So yes, uh, five. Uh, still demons. The... So then that would be. Wow, actually, I've got to, <laughs> just to be clear, I've got to rethink that. It's actually just like plus one to a static value. So if it was like plus two dice, it would be plus one. So instead of going up to five, you go up to six. Does that make sense? Do you understand? Like to, to give you plus two to a static value is a little harder. And I wasn't actually thinking that one through as well as I should have been. Okay. Uh, so for a static value, it should just be plus one. But for like a dice pool, uh, plus two is the equivalent of uh, effectively one success, okay. even though luck doesn't always suggest that. So actually, it's just a plus one for now. Cool. Uh, we can review it after this attack <laughs> if, you, if you're still alive. Um, so here we go. Also important to note, 
have you guys done your homework on battle groups? Because I'm about to describe to everybody else what happens when a battle group attacks you and they drop you to zero initiative. But I, I'm hoping that doesn't happen to you because if it does, then instead of you dropping below zero, you just start taking damage. Okay. By however many successes they get you past zero. Like actual damage. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in which case, they have an attack... Nine. Here we go. Also important to note, their their tens do not double. Okay, so then they did not successfully attack you. You were able to to dodge uh, very successfully. So it's just you can hear some of some of some of these even are hollow. So you can actually hear the whistle mm-hmm. as they go by, mm-hmm. uh, which is really kind of nasty when you think about it, because it means if they were to stick you, then like you would bleed out of those holes. Instead of just a regular wound, or they might even shatter inside you. Um, but yeah, you are good. You are good. Uh, you sling down, and now for initiative tracker, it is everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's, Kair, I'm assuming you're going to continue casting. Yeah. So I'm going to, uh, you can either describe that in a second, but I kind of want to get a feel for what Raven's also doing. So just prepare your, uh, prepare your dice pool. And then, so just remember. Well, actually, no, because this isn't an attack yet. Once once it comes to completion, then we roll the attack. But yeah, when it comes to um, completion, uh, it it just fires. I'm gonna be doing everything I can to make sure it comes to completion this round. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, Raven. Yes. The one demon is defending the other, and the other demon is slowly trying to withdraw. Mm-hmm. So. So I'm at the cave entrance, basically, or just inside it. Um, you are now just inside it, yeah. Yeah, and the group, where is the the pack of demons? They would be, like, if you want sort of a reference, they're sure. above. Mm-hmm. They're outside, above, and to the left. Outside, above, <laughs> and to the left, okay. And you can say that with confidence because you can hear the hellbore stomping around. <laughs> And so is it safe to assume that outside above to the left is also where uh, Rojan is? That is where the help war is, yes. <laughs> okay. And then in reference to all of this, is, Kair, I guess, would be straight ahead of me? And uh, up in a tree? Straight behind you. Straight behind oh, Straight you, behind yes. me. That's right. Okay. And right, because you're that... thinking that I'm facing inside the cave, right? I am. Okay. Okay. Uh, if you are yeah well are no i'm i'm well i'm at this moment when i'm speaking in reference i'm glancing outside the cave okay right so now i know where everybody is okay cool so all right <laughs> here's what i'm looking to do uh i'm looking to use both graceful crane stance and monkey leap wild okay what for uh, so here's what I'd like to do. Am I correct that uh, you even said I had to motion past some of these? Uh, there's some of that uh, their like residue that's in like spikes and like spear-like shapes. Oh yeah, this the yeah. entrance is really hard to even get into. So there's like it, it's like a ten foot tall sea urchin was how I described it last episode, and it's just like plopped right in front of the entrance, and you maneuvered past it without much issue. Uh, last time right right and so trying to think of what well i'll let you tell me i'll tell you what i'm going to do and i'll let you tell me what i've got to consider 
So what I want to do is I want to grab one of those and throw it, not with any form of accuracy, really. I just want to throw it at a decent velocity um, off to the right. Okay. So, um, and then the goal is whether I run up to it or preferably just as it's thrown, I, I, it just needs to get out of the cave, right? I just need to get out of the cave entrance. I'm not really concerned about distance beyond that. Okay. Um, I want to jump onto it while it's in flight. And then yeah. from there, monkey leap off of it. One range band, ideally into a tree. I think I can make that distance given how I got to where I'm at. <laughs> okay. You're on a breath of the wild. So, yeah, yeah, so that I can land in a tree and be far from, maybe not far enough, but at least as far as Kair is from the blast zone. All right. So I have been very generous with the trees in this scrub covered uh, I'm also rock. cool being on the ground. Okay, uh, I would, I, this is an awesome stunt. It sounds great. I'm just going to say that the only tree that's available that didn't get knocked down by Rochin <laughs> is the tree is that Kair's in. Okay, then, um, then so, I'm going to go, I'm looking horizontal leap as opposed to a largely vertical leap. Okay. Yeah, the idea that's, that's is cool. to, that yeah, I'm trying to get 20, 25 feet away from this cave entrance. Um, you, you know and, that like coming out of the cave is getting closer Oh, see, I'm thinking it's a projectile. You're going to blow up like a bomb? <laughs> no, it is a projectile, but it's medium distance from me. Yeah, and it's it's more like, uh, think think a spray. Right, right? but so you, like said off, you said off. You said they're off, off the to the left. Of... I'm going off to the right. The whole idea is to... Okay, then you will jump out of the direction. Yes, yeah, I'm I, literally I trying to increase the distance I am from there. So if yes. you're, yeah, if you're shooting off to the left, I'm trying to go 20 feet to the right. If you follow and my meaning, I I am going to say that you can do that. So basically, you can see where where the point of origin is. You shoot in a direction where you are not in the line of fire. Right, because if you think about it, let's say there's 20 feet between me and Kair in a straight line, straight out of the cave entrance. The whole goal is to go to the right and get out and go as far as I can go um, in kind of a diagonal line off to the right. Okay, so activating Graceful Crane and then performing, like, activating mon Monkey Leap, I'm going right. to give this as just a um, a difficulty four okay. uh, dex athletics. Right. Um, and you have described what you're going to do. So I'm I'm going to give that, uh, in this instance, I'm going to give that a, uh, it's pretty cool, actually, <laughs> the way that you described it. So I'll give it a two-dot stun. So you get uh, two, uh, two extra dice to the roll on top of uh, your regular pool. You get one automatic success, and you'll get one willpower back. Okay. Uh, and am I correct I can um, spend a willpower to get an automatic success, or is that only for yes, combat? Yes, yes. Oh, I no, can't. No, you can spend once once per round, you can spend a willpower. Okay. So you could basically take that willpower, although I you would have usually announced it, um, but uh, but yeah. Also, well, any you excellency, know what? No, actually, that's any fair. excellency you're going to use, uh, you should probably announce it now. As yeah, well. no, I'm gonna I'm gonna just no, I'm not. I'm just gonna take it as it is. I did not describe it before, and uh, I need to get used to 
doing this in the right order. So uh, for right. better or worse. You want to hold yourself accountable for I that? Will. I will let you. <laughs> I'm sure let you will. You. All right. Okay, so, so then Dex while you're Athletics rolling, plus two, one automatic success. Is that correct? Yep. And while you're rolling that, um, not Rojan, uh, Kair, uh, are you doing anything flourishy for your spell casting? Um, no, I don't think so. Just uh, just kind of continuing to pull in. Um, I, I need to stop myself from dragging ball, dragon balling about this, but... Uh, <laughs> Spirit ball. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but I am going to... Uh, is there a limit to how much willpower I can put into it? Yes, only one. Okay. Well, I'm going to use one. Okay. Uh, in which case, I will let you use that one. Cool. Uh, I am also... Uh, putting five moats from per- personal and five moats from peripheral Ooh, into this. Um, uh, it's it's I'm allowed uh, ability plus attribute. Right. Yes, you are. But the uh, traditionally you only pull from one pool unless the other pool is gone. Oh, okay, I see. Um, so I would say maybe this time it all just comes from personal. Or, or it all just comes do from, it from peripheral. peripheral and glow harder. And oh my god, you don't want to do well. And no, if you want to do that, you want to do that. You you do you. You know. Um. Uh, yeah, you do you. Actually, why am I fighting this? Yeah, you want to be a glowing beacon of justice and truth and awesome. You do you. Also, uh, that that role, Fred. Um, I think I nailed it. Yeah. So eight successes. Uh, holy shit. Okay. Yeah. So. Kair, uh, you decide what pool you're, you're going to take that out of, and I'm just going to describe this. Just give me one second. So uh, you disengage from the Furman, and there's actually like this almost a look. If demons had a look of relief, there's a look of relief <laughs> on this creature's face, maybe mostly out of ignorance because they don't realize what, what's about to happen. But you basically you grab one of the spikes. You don't throw it per se as much as flip it up in the air in a direction and then because you have because you have graceful crane you're basically able to lift yourself up just by touching your finger on one of the other tips of the spikes you throw yourself up and then as you come into contact with the other spike plant your feet bounce off activate monkey leap and just catapult into the direction you wanted to go um, which is uh, maybe one of the strangest things that these Furman would have seen today if the rest of today hadn't happened yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so now let's uh, let's see how Kair is doing. So not a big stunt here, but you did spend the willpower, so you get one automatic success, and you are pulling from which pool? I'm going peripheral. If you go peripheral, then you went from just iconic, which was showing your your case mark to glowing which means uh you were glowing and then i believe you are now iconic which means your anima banner is flaring and you can describe it to everybody so what's happening around you in terms of uh displays of motes and your inner spirit as it becomes manifest for everyone to see how, wait how how did i get that big here uh, you started you started at... dim. you went to glowing already and now you're spending 10, so you're going from glowing through burning into bonfire. Each five. When does, uh, when does glowing come down? 
Does that not come in like 15 minutes? Oh, yeah, I, th- I you thought don't... that came down when the essence came back. No, no, no. Peripheral, peripheral, when you use it, it activates. And then even if you're gaining essence back, for each five you use, it just keeps building. Okay, we're going to do personal. Okay, good. Um... <laughs> so, so then you don't blow up into an, a, a giant fireball of golden awesome. I was going to say, as somebody who just played MGS5. Yeah, I didn't understand that. But. No, it's okay. It's it's not well articulated yeah. in the rules, but that is that is how it rolls out. Okay. Um, even though you're gaining essence back, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean your dim is going away. Okay. Uh, the, it goes away with time. Okay. All right. So in that case, here's the roll. That'll do it. Bah. All right. I so I don't have. <laughs> I don't have the rules open to this spell, even though I should by now. Um, Uh, Can you just read out loud what happens now that you have more than hit your goal? So this spell in particular, uh, its flavor changed a little bit for the character. but So essentially what happens, uh, their description is sculpting essence into volant black glass. The sorcerer unleashes a cascade of obsidian butterflies. In this case, uh, in Kyra's case, it's going to be sparrows. Um, but uh, she rolls perception plus occult as an undodgeable, decisive attack applied in a line against enemies out to medium range. Um, do you want me to to read like the whole the whole thing? Mm-mm. Sorry, I keep hitting the wrong button. Uh, no, in this case, uh, that's fine. Okay. So I would say roll the uh, Perception Occult. Oh my gosh. Um, in this case, battle groups get a negative two penalty to their defense, so it would be, it was, I believe... Six, I think you said. Uh, yeah, so six initially, so negative two, so that's down to four. Also, Rojan, get your defense, please. Yeah, uh, I mean, the base is only four, so I will be... Stunting that. Yeah, you're gonna want to. <laughs> you're gonna want to do something. <laughs> um. So uh, I am going to try to. I don't know how to stun this really, but um. As uh. Kyor pulls his hands in, um, his eyes open a light with the. Uh, um. Kind of a, a fiery wildness, this uh, twisted grin spreads across his face, um, and he just shouts out, "Now!" to uh, to his companions, um, and the bits of uh, kind of moted energy that are coming through the uh, from from the surroundings uh, begin to form into the shapes of small um, like black obsidian birds, uh, which create a massive uh, line, maybe. How long is a single range band? Twenty feet. It's it's pretty fluid, but I will just say yes. Sure. So about twenty feet long, this line of birds that he immediately presses forward, and they go soaring towards the battle group. Any of the shrubbery um, on the ground that they that they cast through end up torn out and and just shredded as these things fly past. And uh, yeah. Cool. I will give you a. I'll give you a, a two dot stunt for that. So that's an additional two dice and one auto success on the roll. 
Sorry, Rojan. I'm sorry, Rojan. Now, it does say in a line against enemies. Somebody charged into those enemies. So, as Rojan uh, hears that, he's going to focus briefly as he's gnawing and gnashing and stomping and goring these poor little furmen. Uh, He's going to specifically strike a few of them uh, to put more bodies in between himself and Kyur, and he's going to like smash with his tusks so hard that all of the dust that's in the air and all of the, the glittering white essence and, and ash and blood and ichor everywhere, he's actually going to strike people and create such a concussive force that he's going to fling just matter in between himself and Kyur. For, like, that is creative, so I will give you two dot. Uh, in this case, it is increasing your static value by two. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds lovely. I am also going to uh, do the excellency on that. I encourage you. I encourage you to do that. Oh, <laughs> really? yeah, I still have a plus two on attack. Yes, you I'm do. Sorry. You're attacking a hated enemy. As uh, an additional plus two, you're right. Jesus Christ. It's okay. Those successes only wrap around into the damage. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, that's I, I, cool. I'm going to spend um, eight essence. I'll go up to ten. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ten. Uh, uh, okay, because uh, soak will apply here. Yeah, ten parry. Um, you didn't see what he rolled. No, I haven't eh? looked yet. Oh, no. Uh, okay, well, here's an interesting I haven't fact. rolled the attack yet. Okay, right, because that's the 13 that you just Yeah, made. that's the okay. shape sorcery. Wow, I thought that was what you actually rolled to hit. I was like, that's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you're, you're at 10. They're at, uh, they were, so they're at uh, four, four? Yeah. four right now. Okay, so um, Stu, you'll be pleased to know that using bodies as a defensive (laughs) option really worked. At least I used some Really worked. I didn't need to use that much, but that's all right. Okay, which means we don't have to make two rolls for this, which is great. So uh, what you're going to roll for this one, uh, you can see it on the page, but it is essence plus occult plus extra successes so uh that is one plus your cult plus extra successes okay against the battle group uh and in this case you got six uh so you got four this is lethal they and it's decisive so they don't get soak they don't have a hardness in this case it's perilous i don't know what that does but perilous can't use it in crash i think it just creates a terrain feature or, or right, yeah, can't use it in crash. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so I think my extra successes is two, right? Uh, yes, in this case. Ho! Oh, That's okay. seven successes so, on eight dice. Let's uh, let's talk about that. So um, here's what happens: their first row of magnitude. That's one, two, three. Uh, so you blow through the first row of magnet row of magnitude and into the next one. And that means that they have to make a morale check. And I really don't think they're going to pass it, but I'm going to give it a shot. So give me one second. That's, do the 10s actually double on that? 
Oh, good point. So that's no, they don't. Cause Cause it wouldn't traditionally. So that uh, okay, so five. Right. So it would be five. Even with five, you still get through the uh, the first magnitude track, mm-hmm. um, and effectively shrink them. So you shred everything that is closest to you, and uh, from where from your vantage point, you can actually see there are bodies flying up in the air from the back that are catching. A lot of these, if they aren't just puncturing directly through. Mm-hmm. Additionally, uh, these, as they strike, they're also shattering on the ground, creating uh, terrain hazards, actually making it hard for anybody barefoot to walk. And guess what? Furman got bare feet. <laughs> they're basically nude. Um, so you are just devastating and ripping through these things. So that's one, two, three, four, five. And I have to make a morale check. One second, I will look. Okay, so they are poor drill. These are untrained, like not military personnel. So plus one to the difficulty of the check. Uh, you just used obsidian butterfly, so that's another plus one to the difficulty of the check. And I am rolling their willpower. So they presently have to... The difficulty begins at one, so now it is plus one for poor mora- or poor drill and plus one because you just devastated them. That's pretty solid. It doesn't matter. Wow. <laughs> okay. So they had a willpower of eight. Um, uh, it turns out that when Chase rolls, it is not the same as when Stu rolls <laughs> or when Dan rolls. Uh, so I only got one success on eight dice. So what happens for this entire group is they came out looking for a fight, but they were really just trying to defend their territory. These creatures by nature aren't the bravest. They're also not the most organized and they are taking heavy losses. They're fighting what is effectively like a, a, a horrifying creature from hell. Um, and a boar. And then, <laughs> hey, <laughs> the, the shock, the, the real shock from getting hit both by uh, a boar that's causing like concussion level force impacts, but also just what's the equivalent of a mortar shell, just bl- or a claymore just blasting into the side of them, uh, is is shaking them. The entire group is starting to scatter. Anyone who's still alive in the size size one magnitude is just breaking, and they are starting to flee back into the caves or uh, out onto the steps of the uh, the mountain. And with that, you have a decision. Do you want to ride them down and slaughter them as they flee? Or in your case, Kair, you can just pick at them slowly over time with your bow because they're having trouble getting away. The ground is littered in obsidian glass right now. You can actually see some of them stepping on it, then falling down and crunching glass into their knees. Like, this is actually kind of horrible. It's it's important to note that a number of these, when they were struck, it was just that contortion and then just an explosion of, of that white sand and that briefest moment of a green flash. And that's happened a lot. So it's just sand and obsidian all over the ground right now. What do you guys want to do? Because I don't think anybody here has the will to continue fighting on the enemy side. Rojan is going to do a reflexive when he sees that attack. 
because Rogan is what's your flex? Yeah, it's uh, gonna be a social attack against the group of scattering vermin. Oh, okay. Well, go ahead. They might still be looking at you. <laughs> what, like, what do you want to do, Stu? What are you trying the to do? The most charismatic four. Yeah, because uh, I, I'm going to do a persuade to tell them, like, basically to leave this place so as not to scatter into the mines. Okay, well. That's, uh, that's really the gist of it. Give it a shot. And Kair, what are you doing? Well, he is saying don't go back in the mines with his brute boar body. I'm pecking him off. Oh god. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm uh, that's still, that's just okay. a dice that's just a diceless action. I'm just letting you do it so then yeah, Raven I'm still what are in you doing? mode, so I'm just pulling the the bow back and just like just thoughtlessly firing out at them. I'm not going to say anybody else can hear this, but on your shoulder uh, Muckdog is cooing in <laughs> the most most Shivian way. Uh, good. <laughs> wow. Good. Um, I'm not even making that up. That's happening. Like, that's actually happening. <laughs> Only you can hear it, but it's happening. <laughs> well, since I'm relatively small, especially compared to a Hellbore... And I have no ranged weapon at this time. <laughs> Make an omelet. Pull out a yeah. pair of jacks and. <laughs> hey, um, you, you do you. You tell me. I what think you from a do, Fred. I think from a realistic standpoint, am I safe to say they are paying zero attention to me? Uh, y- there were the two in the cave. They might still be alive. Right, and I don't mind if they're paying. I'm not trying to do something to them, I guess is the context that I'm trying to say. So I think I'm just going to kind of rejoin. Well, our group is kind of scattered. I'm just kind of cautiously moving low to the ground. Like, I am I think I'm on the ground. So, like, I'm just kind of ducked down um, and just kind of moving with some, some relative grace to kind of close the distance from where I was to the tree i want to be like near but i'm not going to climb the tree or go up there or anything i'm just kind of watching an obliteration that i felt kind of good about because it made my kind of shitty act look pretty small in comparison (laughs) um and uh and and i'm just kind Uh. of rejoining the group but i don't have much to contribute at this time awesome by my Um, own assessment all right in which case I will let everybody <clears throat> once Stu does his uh does his little social reflexive thing, um, there is one more thing that's gonna happen before we uh we we tidy everything off and we'll see how everybody reacts to it. Okay, so the actual phrasing would be something along the lines of I don't want to hurt you, but you can't stay here. <laughs> okay. In which case, I'll give you a one. Oh, you already rolled it. Doesn't matter. Uh, I, <laughs> um, I, yeah. There, people are heeding your words, and also just fleeing in terror from arrows. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, maybe one or two Furman entered into the cave. There, there are definitely the two Furman that like went into the cave for cover. That when Fred 
like leak, monkey leaped away, they they probably went deeper into the cave. There is still that one pinned under the tree. The tree was able to absorb most of those obsidian butterflies. It's a little beat up now, like might be dying, might be bleeding, but it's still there. But everybody else starts to sort of shift gears and is no longer fleeing for caves, but just uh, further into the mountain. Excellent. So you succeed. Um, as more of them proceed to perish under the unrelenting fury of Kair. <laughs> they just and, uh, keep coming. <laughs> so then everybody is allowed to make a perception awareness roll right now, if you would like. Three successes. Four successes. Embracing the chaos. Both both of those will do. The the last pinned Furman, um, who really just is not having much luck today is looking up at the destroyer of its nest, like the, 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 the one that it can see, and starts doing gestures, then reaches down, touches what, it, what represents its blood, which is the black ichor, pulls it back up, and draws something that actually stays in the air as a shadow, utters what is effectively a Malfian curse, pushes the shadow... And Kair, you can actually feel as something descends on you. And then Muckdog actually says, that one just cursed you. Kill it now. I will. And you do. Right, so uh, Furman have the ability to effectively mark you. Um, and it's it's just a minor curse that gives any other Furman that are in its nest a positive modifier for tracking and killing you, like like attacking you, in the same way that you just got what's effectively like a super buff from your awesome yeah. fair folk friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just the reverse of that. So, you know, anytime you're anywhere near any of the Furman that were in this nest, like they can they can track you. Uh, better and they can potentially damage you better but also you got the same benefits on them and yours is better (laughs) so uh rojan's actually going to go over to the down tree and see if he can roll it over or lift it up yes yes (laughs) <laughs> but I would say, has Kair, Kair, have you executed that thing yet? Uh, as soon as Muckdog said that, at this point, like, okay. uh, with each shot I've been firing, I've just been kind of repeating and muttering, you killed her, you killed her. Um, and the second he says that to me, like, without without blinking, I'm just, like, just aiming at it and putting one in its head. Heroes, folks. Heroes. Right, we're so... We're heroes, we're gods. <laughs> There you go. There's a difference. Yep. Cool. Okay, so then that is effectively the end of the combat. People are running. Um, Kair is is really mopping things up. And Rojan, you are moving the tree, but you are not in time to to spare that last one. So be it. And now here we are. One problem solved, I think. Now what? I say we can keep doing this for about 10 more minutes and maybe see how things go, or we can uh, we can call it here. Your call. Rojan grunts. <laughs> for real? <laughs> Still a hellbore. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Do do you want to change out from a hellboard? Does anybody want to have a he conversation like he about? He was happy grunting. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna do... hop down from the tree. It doesn't look like there's any more coming right now, right? No. Okay. Everyone has fled who has not been killed. Okay. And a lot of them were killed. Um, then I'm going to uh, just kind of shift the bow back into stick mode. Um, cool. It promptly does that in a really cool sort of fancy motion with a, a loud click at the end. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, I'm going to kind of saunter over to Borrojan, look him up and down, raise a single eyebrow, shrug. I mean, and that's all I'm doing. I guess if there's no immediate danger, I'll, I'll shift back before too many people notice. I'll probably actually go into the hole underneath the tree to shift back and then climb back up. Okay. You can see what is, for lack of a better description, uh, like just a, a bunch. Uh, your hooves were actually protecting you while you were a hellbore. Um, hard hooves are better than the soft flesh yeah, feet yeah. of a Furman, and when you shift back, you're still wearing boots. There, There is obsidian glass littering everything in here. It seems like the reverberations and shrapnel might have hit another one of the Furman that was in there because you can see what is like a pile of effectively just white sand where one must have expired. In the similar way that when you move the tree, you can see where the other one died. Uh, uh, air yeah, quotes yeah. died uh, mm-hmm. got banished back to Malpheus. Um yeah there might still be one that wasn't there to see your awesome display of boreness that moved back into the cave is he looking this way no it's not <laughs> there like there's, uh, yeah. there are streaks of black ichor all along the wall all right. where it was sliding and trying to get well, through sounds like someone else's problem Somebody else is supposed to come clear these mines. I don't give a shit. Oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah, this is awesome. I like you guys. You're so fun. Um, okay. So. Yeah. That was fun. Raven? Yeah, so Raven's just kind of like beside herself on this whole thing, I guess. Um, so I, I think she's just going to visually come, or just verbally come out and say it. So she's like. So, you boys do a little bit more than just uh, hang around and be charming and whatnot. She goes, uh, what I thought was starting off as just some charms, uh, I now know, and she motions over to Kair, is a symbiotic relationship, presumably, with beings far beyond my grasp. And then she looks over at Rojan and she's like, and you are just changing into all kinds of fun stuff he uh, i've got yeah okay this is gonna take some getting used to but now i know the score uh for the record i can't do the crazy magic shit that you all are doing but uh i'm glad you're on my side um so i don't think i know about what muckdog did there you don't yeah it, like that's the subtle fun nature of your relationship yeah. um uh, mm-hmm. he yeah he's uh he's got his hooks in you and 
in a way that it it's hard to tell when you're awake if that makes any sense so uh kyer at the at the phrasing of symbiotic relationship is going to cock his head a little um quietly assume to himself that raven is referring to the relationship between him and rojin and how they kill stuff real good together <laughs> um shrug that yeah. off perfect perfect um and look up and say, yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is ours now, right? Yeah, like I said, glad you're on my side. Yeah, that was a, that was a good stretch. That felt pretty good. I haven't had to, oh my God. I haven't had to do that in a while. <laughs> Mug Dog is choosing to stay silent. He's actually, he, for lack of a better term, like fatigued. Um, not upset or deflated, but just like used. Uh, so is is actually just sort of draped on Kair's shoulder, like one would a rag, <laughs> a, a gooey tenderly rag. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys want want to go into the mine or not. I was thinking while we're here, instead of going back the long way, we might as well make a new road. Like straight down to the docks, or that makes sense to me. But we could do that. I'm, yeah, I'm fine with that. I have reservations as to what else might be hanging out. This was just the front door of the damn. That's thing. true. That's true. Yeah, might be something actually dangerous inside. <laughs> I will give all of you the opportunity to make an intelligence bureaucracy roll if you want. Bureaucracy. Difficulty sure. one. This is sure. just to recall something that you agreed on and hey, signed a contract I for. I made it. That you is not our it. problem. That they're supposed to clear it out. <laughs> I'll tell you that none of those none of those numbers came from bureaucracy. <laughs> Damn it! I did a comma. It's okay. It was it was worth it. <laughs> We're Canadian, not French. This is actually fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. Uh, Holy shit. Successes. So, yeah, I'm really good at intelligent bureaucracy at this moment. <laughs> yeah, so Dan Dan got one success, Stu got two, and Fred got three. So, um, so Kair, uh, you remember that you signed a contract that said that the guild would assist with any cleanup. Uh, Rojan, you remember that you signed a contract that the guild said they would assist with any cleanup. That's why I said it wasn't our problem. <laughs> Raven, well, you I remember... Well, I had four successes for what it's worth. I don't know if that changes anything. You remember it four you times. You remember that, the, that you signed a contract <laughs> oh, with the guild that okay, said yeah, that they would assist with cleanup. So she spits. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, in, in fairness... Their piddly little mercenaries might have actually had a difficult time with that. So what you're saying is we should continue into the mine. <laughs> you can and do it. Clean it up want. as we are contractually <laughs> obligated to, to do. <laughs> mm. I mean, if we just put a plow on the front of that bore. Yeah, that would that would add to damage and uh, yeah. or like a wheat thresher. and accuracy. Yeah, there, is there, like there a... are modifiers. Um, like right. Push. So uh, the, the long and short of it is like, they will assist with the, I guess in this case, the removal of those spines 
and anything else that might be inside if you aren't able to do it yourself Mm. or if you are reluctant to continue to do it yourself. Mm. That's the intent of that clause in the contract. As I am not the strength of this group. Um, and all I'm really seeking right now is a shower and an alcoholic beverage. I'm down for whichever you choose to do. I mean, you talked about... We are here. (laughs) We talked about making a road, and we've spent the afternoon destroying. It might be nice to create something. (laughs) Early evening. Early evening destroying. We spent the early Uh, evening destroying. It is getting closer to uh, to, uh, nighttime. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, get back, have a bath. I could get behind that. Yeah, probably there isn't a shower. <laughs> Maybe a waterfall. S- Stu, did you want to make the road down while you're here? Yeah. It's kind of a waste of a walk. Yeah, might as well. If you don't. How fast can you build a road? Very. Uh, you laugh. But... Probably probably walking <laughs> speed. Yeah. Nice. Um. All right, well, Stu, if you want to make that roll, uh, I mean, you've got everything you need to just do it because of your bracers and your skill set. Um, I'm assuming you're probably going to put some essence into it. But just so that we have an idea of where you are, do you want to loop around the guild, the, the guild uh, claim? Because you're basically on the other side of it. So what you would do is you would have to curve around and then come down and out near uh, the uh, Voldavat farm. Uh, ideally, yeah, if we could avoid anyone else's land, I think that would be ideal. That makes sense to me. What if we built a tall I mean, bridge either... over it? <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> that works. <laughs> I mean, you could, but that, that would be weird. I guess making changes to the above ground across their claim would be maybe bad, or we might like lose some jurisdiction or something. I think it's safer to just go around. Okay, in which case, um, you can definitely make a road slash stair uh, that skirts their their property and then comes out down near where you would start to go up the mountain into the uh, into the mines. And as long as long as you roll well, this is a project that would usually take about a week. For you, we know it will take much less as long as you apply the appropriate essence. Okay, yeah. So Rojan uses. Uh one essence to summon the tools that he needs from his bracers. So it would probably be in his left hand, a pickaxe and in his right hand, like a sledge axe. And he just kind of walks along at a normal pace and just alternates swinging with his left hand and his right hand. And just every time he connects with rocks, they just seem to split perfectly smoothly and tumble out of the way. And every time you look away, there's just, Anytime you blink, it seems like stuff is just happening. It doesn't look overtly like he doesn't look like he's straining himself or swinging hard. It's just, it's just weird stuff. Just seems to go well every time he moves his limbs. <laughs> I will give that a two-point stunt just because I want to see what you can do. I want to see how pretty this road is. 
For all you people listening at home, that is two additional dice, one automatic success. Are you throwing any essence into this? Uh, what what target am I aiming for? I mean, I was going to say about a five. For a check, I mean, if you only get, you know, uh, two-thirds of the way down the mountain, you can always just finish the next time you show up. <laughs> like, well, that's true. If, if you don't hit the five. Um... No, I'll, I'll... I imagine this could also be a case of degrees, like a 5 is good, a 10 is grand. Well, I mean, that's it, right? You double you double the target, then you are making a stairway to heaven. Flourishments, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw the willpower I just got at it as well. Um, and we'll do 6 essence. It's not quite a stairway to heaven. Um, that's okay, we okay. a stairway well, to know... town. <laughs> yeah, that, is it a yellow brick road at least <laughs> actually in this case it's kind of like a, a cobblestone or like cut into the hard stone brick road but like cut in a really good way um, oh yeah I, mean, I was just making a bad joke well yeah me too um, the so, Kajaru highway uh, yeah oh my god uh, so Stu which is Rojan. Rojan the Shaper uh, lives up to his name and successfully shapes a stairway slash road uh, leading from your mine that skirts around and down the mountain. It, this includes some, some pretty nice considerations, uh, not overly embellished. It's sort of more of a chest-high wall than it is an actual railing, but all along he seems to also be considering the fact that somebody might fall down at some point, or if you're trying to roll carts down, a uh, chest-high wall would stop a cart, might not stop a person, <laughs> but but yeah, those are there. It's kind of wild to watch a single man do this at this speed with this like sort of artisan style, but he does it. And so as the night starts to wind on as you work your way down the mountain, instead of going back to see sweet, smelly Benny um, (laughs) and the whole guild crew, you just completely circumvent them, circle down and around, and this walkway actually starts right where the other walkway to the guild is, right down near the entrance close to the docks. And you're at the bottom. And I think with that, maybe we'll bring things to a close. Because I can't remember who's at the bottom right now, and it's 12 o'clock for me. (laughs) Now the demons will know how to get back to us. There you go. Bring back to us. Right, so let's stop. And let's talk about what we learned this game so i think that we should start with raven raven uh you have witnessed some shit uh so yeah. so fred and raven what did you learn this game this game i uh definitely learned that um the abilities of my pa- compatriots my companions are are m- much like far surpass in both uh, skill and I guess I would say supernatural or like uh, beyond my understanding at this point. Um, so there's that. Uh, but I wouldn't say 
I'm very surprised by everything. I would say I'm more we- weirded out by Kair's muck dog situation than I was by Rogan's. Um, his seemed a little more grounded in a personality I was already familiar with. The other ones, I wouldn't say I lack trust at this time because it, it was all for um, self-preservation, which I can get behind 100%, um, but it's weird. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, although I wouldn't say I really caught wise to the fact that Kair wasn't aware, right? Like, at this point, from my perception, uh, my perspective, shall I say, you know, um, I, I feel, you know, I, I made that comment assuming that he just knew what was going on to himself. So, right. Um, right. The other thing I learned was uh, I, I need to be more. <sighs> Me going down to the cave and stabbing that thing was fun and all, but it, it really didn't need to happen. So maybe a little more strategic in my movements and maybe the willingness to just sit still sometimes. Right. I'm going to I'm going to admit that in some ways this like this this entire session was designed to be a battle uh that shifted very quickly to I guess a bloodbath. A war. <laughs> like, uh well yeah. Um the, the we knew that the battle group was going to be there. I I thought it made sense to to keep the uh, um individual Furman that you initially attacked just so that so that Dan could actually monopolize on Kair's incredibly high initiative from the last battle. Like we never got Mm -hmm. to see dividends on that. I didn't know what was going to happen. I knew the tool sets in everybody's box, but I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I think it's still going to take a little bit of time just because again, this is what like second going into third fight. Like this is just a continuation of the second fight you've ever had. Kyger's not always going to be able to just throw down an obsidian, like right. like obsidian butterflies. Also, uh, Rojan isn't always going to be able to turn into an enormous hell beast from you know from the darkest depths of a a, a, a deep jungle. But uh, there will always be a use for a strategic knife in the dark, and you were able to establish that you can do that. Uh, keep in mind that those demons are hardy. Right, they may they may look yeah. like uh, scrawny little meth addicts, but they also <laughs> fight like scrawny little meth addicts. And wow, oh. um, like they took they took a beating, and then ran away. Well, um, yeah, I mean, if I if I wanted to like retcon my own, you know, uh, my own retelling of it, you know, I could definitely say that that was Raven just yeah learning what she was dealing with there. Lesson learned. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, a regular human, uh, you would have wounded them so bad that they they wouldn't have been able to get away. Uh, But again, uh, these were first circle demons. And if you had stabbed the one that was already wounded, it would have been dead. It would have just exploded there. And also, maybe you should start investigating things like, uh, and this just up to you, 100% up to you. But poisons are an interesting thing. Mm. Poisons get applied to a target with a a successful decisive attack. So if you're striking from a position of of surprise where something has no defense, usually if you have a low initiative, it sucks, right? It's sort of like, okay, well, I hit him, but I didn't really damage him that bad. Mm -hmm. But if... If you start using something like poison, so like poisons that knock people out or even poisons that could kill people, Mm -hmm. um, you just have to hit them once and let the poison do the work. 
Yeah. And and that's a consideration. The other thing is my battle style, uh, my, my combat style, you know, I, I've done some tweaking. I just didn't get a whole lot of opportunity to use it this time. Um, Raven does a little better in confined spaces. I was able to hold my own no problem out in the open like that, but it works better in controlled environments. Yeah, man. And also, uh, just keep in mind, everybody is going to continue to accelerate towards insanely awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, yeah. there's so much that you can grab at and so much that you can do. Like, you're you're only one or two charms away from every time you hit somebody with a melee weapon, they just blow up. Right? Like, you oh, are... I saw that too. Yeah. Yeah, you're close. <laughs> you, are, you are very close. And then just one or two more athletic charms, and then it's like everybody blows up 17 times. It, and that's what Exalted is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say uh, thank you for definitely, like, y- you definitely tried. You did some very cool stuff. The acrobatic stuff is always fun to witness. Um, and I like how, how you put that together. But also, um, there there were just some really weird things going on. Let's be real. Like, there was some weird stuff that if you if this wasn't a tabletop game or this was your first tabletop game you'd be like what the fuck just happened <laughs> um so yeah i no i was just one step <laughs> behind i was like oh i see yeah we're killing things that's cool oh get out of the way okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah dan, dan shifting from like single single shot to uh full-blown uh, artillery weapon yeah. <laughs> that was a big but deal. that that statement actually was what got my brain thinking in that direction so it kind of uh again uh i've, I've got a decent toolkit now to be spry i was never i never felt that my character was in any real danger uh even if something was getting aggressive with her at that time yeah, yeah i wasn't too concerned with with the tool set i've got Right, and actually, at no point was I concerned about Raven. Like, I did not expect Raven was going to get <laughs> well, hurt at all. This wasn't fight. doing a whole lot. Yeah, um, <laughs> there, there was a moment, and I think now would be a good time to shift to to Rojan. Uh, so maybe we can, mm-hmm. if if yeah. you're okay with that, Fred, if we can Absolutely. move over to to Stu and Rojan. Uh, like, uh, I really thought Stu might take some serious damage <laughs> this game. Uh, so, Stu, what did you and Rojan learn? Uh, in the this worst episode. part is that Rojan didn't learn a fucking thing. <laughs> like, yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Rojan rolled well on his attacks. Um, s- managed to somehow avoid getting hurt. I thought he was going to take some lumps too, and I had no idea how hard any of it was going to hit. But uh, I don't know. He he. Uh, he doesn't really know. Yeah, he, he didn't really see anything. He didn't learn anything. If anything, he's just he's gotten a whole lot of false reassurance. Well, I mean, that that makes the humility that Inevitably hopefully might come coming. at some point in the future. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, it'll be super cool if slash when I can finally create something that does that for you. Yeah, I... Because I wasn't sure if I wanted to do the Hellbore. And I, as a player, thought, well, he could really take a shit-kicking, and I should be kind of careful. And Rojan doesn't really know what his limits are, so he should probably throw himself into it pretty hard. Um, But now he feels really good, and he probably shouldn't. 
Right. Well, that's definitely an interesting take on it. And I think we can talk more about that when I talk about what I learned. <laughs> but uh, let's uh, yeah. let's shift over to Kair, if you're okay, if there's nothing else you want to say today. Yep, yep, all good. You're, you're okay to... Uh, okay. All right, well then, uh, Dan and Kair, there was some, some true focus placed on you, especially right at the beginning, and then you held it uh, with a lot of your actions through this session. In your surprisingly brutal behavior and uh, execution. So what did Kair and Dan learn this episode? I'm not, I, I'm of the mind in the same way with, uh, with Rojan that I don't know that Kair learned much of anything. There was a very brief conversation with like a mix of Muckdog and uh, his sister's voice um, that just it uh, you know kind of asked him to to give in and he agreed without really considering it and I don't know if he even is considering that yet or what that is I think it's all still kind of coming down really all he did was murder a lot of things <laughs> yeah. um yep i noticed that too and uh um as a player it's it's a direction that i i think i surprised myself with it as well it was never a, a sort of way that i saw it going but the scene that you showed him and and the like the very intense uh memory of 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 that experience um is the kind of thing that will will drive uh, a guy like him to to serious violence like it, it's it's feeding or or it's using his like deepest hate to move and so like everything he was killing he was killing as though it were or as though it was the people responsible for for taking his sister from him um so it's i think i i i don't think kyer learned something but i think i learned something about him right and that uh has been it's a cool a cool experience and i mean like you know, mechanically, the the battle groups thing is neat. That's uh, you know another thing to keep to keep track of, and uh, I think this is also the first time that I'm really starting to understand just how powerful we are. Yes. Um, I haven't had the uh, the kind of contextual experience yet to to really really drive that home. <laughs> Right. Um, and this one did it. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah, uh, you are, I mean, any one of you is something that the dragon-blooded would fear. Uh, and they sick wild hunts on you for a reason. Because if you're unbalanced or unstable, like, think of, it's like dropping, um, well, uh, it, you're, you're effectively walking bombs, Right. 
um, yeah. but walking bombs of a specific type of flavor, whether it's social combat or um, or whatever else you might be, right? Because there are so many different uh, flavors that you could be. I don't think all of you have to be good at combat because you can also be good at other things. Um, you just have to find something that you're really enjoying and, and lean into it. Um, but the, uh, with Exalted, the other thing to remember is there are some really dangerous things out there. And you, uh, today, uh, if we're going to shift into what I learned, but I'll, I'll give you one more chance to talk, Dan. Today you taught me that uh, you are more than capable. All of you together are more than capable of surviving something that I thought was going to be maybe a potential challenge. And so then the, the real challenge for a storyteller in this game is to try and find that balance. Um, because say one of you starts to really focus on something else and then you get caught up in a fight that I designed to beat the really, really good fighty guy. That person <laughs> who's got that balance, I've got to think about um, narrative reasons why this group of super killy things isn't going to kill the person who's not good at also killing them back. But yeah, Dan, was there anything else you wanted to say before I shift into uh, uh, chase and storyteller mode? No, I think that's it. Okay, so then what I learned, number one, I I was actually a little scared. I put this battle group together because I really wanted to test you guys. And realistically, if it had hit someone, there was some real potential for damage and pain. Uh, the fact that you all got away without a single health box filled, I'm not going to say it bugs me. Uh, it's just, it, it, no, it, it, like it gives me, it gives me an idea of uh, what I should start throwing at all of you, which is good because there is a lot of stuff out there. Um, I'm not saying that the next few games are going to be combat heavy, but I know what's out there, and I know what its capabilities are, and so I don't feel so bad throwing this stuff at you. Is it four firm in battle groups? <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Um, well, I guess you'll just have to find out. But more importantly, you've just you've just overcome what was a pretty big obstacle, or what I thought was a big obstacle, efficiently and by yourself. Uh, I'm not going to say that the mines are 100% cleared. I'm not going to say that we know what's down there, even though we got a cutscene. But there isn't a lot standing between you and starting to extract what's what's in that mine now. Um, which means that for specifically for Fred, uh, so Raven's decision to at creation to take the merit that would allow her to have wealth, like that will finally get paid off. Mm-hmm. We will start to see things like. Like the party that has been proposed, we can we can decide after this this game where we actually want to pick up and what we want to see. There are things waiting in that mind that you might want to explore, but it's up to you to do it. There are just so many open options moving forward that it's going to be interesting to see what you lean into. I've got a pretty good idea that everybody's going to want to go to, or most, at least two out of the three players in this group are going to want to go to that party initially. Um, but then you've got to settle and start getting into the regular workings of whatever it is you guys are going to be in this town. And an interesting side comment is what are you going to be in this town with something like Muckdog and how long until he finds something else he hates? 
And what does that mean for Kyrie? So that's that's something to think about because I'm not I'm not gonna try to force Kyrie to break an oath. <laughs> but if there was ever gonna be anybody I could get to do it, just through the mechanics of the game with the choices that he's made in his character's design, I think Mukdog could pull it off. If if you encountered somebody he didn't like enough, or if he decides to really feed on your desires, because for anybody, there will be people who end up listening to this because Exalted actually has a pretty decent online community. They end up finding stuff. The way that this fair folk is working uh, will be no surprise to them. Uh, he's just put a glamour on. He's just put a glamour on Kair and actually given him what's the the equivalent of a like a boosty, so like just a a, a little uh, bonus that will always apply to him for as long as they're together, um, and as long as certain things are fulfilled. I don't know if everybody was following exactly what was said, but the wording of that is important in order for that uh, that charm to stay in effect. Uh, of course, that can all be broken if Mukdog at some point extinguishes or is dead, but. Fair folk are creatures that pull upon desire and they attach themselves and gravitate towards the people who have strong, almost uncontrollable desire. That's why it's kind of creepy, but that's why they're so um, drawn to children because children have such strong, unrestrained emotions. But adults can also exhibit those same emotions and specifically exalted can feel more profoundly than even most mortals and their stories, their, their life narratives are just so, so delicious to a fair folk, which is just their very concept. What they are is just a simulacrum. Like they are just wearing the shells of a concept they are actually just creatures of chaos. Um, all they want to do is consume, but they need to consume in a way that makes sense in their minds, which is all just chaos. And I know that like we're getting really high here, but it, it's important to to try and understand where fair folk come from. Fair folk come from the crazy shit that is just like it's it's not it's not like the warp in in forty k. But it is just insanity. It's pandemonium is the best way to describe it. Um, and then they come into a place where they have to force a form onto themselves. And an only, the only way for them to really understand that is to grasp onto the narratives that surround them. And in order to do that, they need to consume the emotions of people so that all of that makes sense. And that is where Muckdog is. He's sitting on the shoulder of one of the strongest feeling people around. Absolutely. Rojin has a, a super huge ego and an incredible story, but like he's relatively, he's relatively ambivalent to, to a lot of what's going on. He may have strong emotions, but he isn't really displaying them. Um, Raven is just new to town. Muckdog's just encountered her. Um, so any of those strong emotions are actually really well guarded. Like Raven, uh, just the way that she presents herself, she's really well guarded. Like Kair wears those emotions on his sleeve. He is a damaged dude and he is trying to resolve that. And that is why Muckdog is there and he is living it. He is loving every moment of it mm -hmm. and he will take that 
he'll take advantage of that if he can. But I mean, narratively speaking, he's an ally <laughs> to an ex- You just happen to be what he eats. Yeah. No, it's gonna make for some uh, really rough and and intense and wonderful moments. I think. Yes, and that's that's what I'm trying to to draw on, and I'm trying to provide, and I'm hoping that I can do that for a, for everybody. <laughs> it's just you just you just happen to take something that can enter your dreams and manipulate you in just such a personal way because this thing was around when your sister was still alive Mm -hmm. um, and saw things that impacted your character on such a raw emotional level um, that helped shape who he is and why he exalted. And this thing is just going to keep using those images for as long as they work or will try to find new things that will motivate you to do things that it wants. Because that's just how he functions. That's that's how he's always going to function. Um, and it's up to you to decide whether that's okay or not. Maybe somebody else will have a conversation with you at some point and be like, hey, I don't know if this guy's really your friend, but th- like that that's part of the drama, right? That's that's all just part of the drama. Um, and sorry, just went on like a big rant about fair folk, but it's it's important to kind of understand where they're coming from. They're a really hard concept. And you decided to take one as an ally, and I was just hoping that I could do it justice because it's also hard to portray them in-game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But hopefully I'm doing an okay job. Oh, yeah. No, I, I love them. And it's this, uh, this is the first time that he has presented him or that you have presented him in a way that is scary like this is the this is the first time that i as a player have gone like oh that's shit <laughs> like what's going oh i'm in trouble right like, like not to put too fine a point on it but as somebody who's like read and been familiar with the darkness the comic and <laughs> yeah i yeah. think there were games too mm-hmm. There, there was a little touch of that. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I was like, oh, mm-hmm. see well, where yeah, that can uh, go. It, the first Exalted game I ever played, I chose to have a Fair Folk as an ally, and that that ally was a liability more than an asset. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's 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 a delicate balance because you want your character feel to feel good about the decisions they made at character creation. You want those decisions to have value and like just peeling it back for audience and for players like muck dog was not doing a lot. Um, he was helping here and there, but uh, in, in terms of what you invested into, into those points of merits, I was just like, this needs to start to matter in the same way that your bow needed to start to matter, right? Like you invested in that bow, it should matter. So being able to use it, like watching you use it for the first time was really gratifying in the same way that uh, Fred, like you bought a mine character creation you should have access to it (laughs) right i wasn't going to make it super easy but i was going to make it like it was going to be the logical conclusion that you would be rich and you would be able to do whatever you wanted and you're you're basically there in the same way that uh that stew has a cult like he has a cult and he has a bunch of uh resources in town that keep him there but also allow him to do all kinds of things. Like I just want these decisions to matter and to actually feel like they have an impact. 
And uh, even me as a storyteller, I'm still learning how to do that. Um, but also, in addition to everything else I learned, like you motherfuckers are cold-blooded. Like, like Fred, you ran in there and stabbed that thing in the back. They were just trying to get away. <laughs> like you, those poor defenseless demons. Demons. All right. How dare you kill my poor NPCs? Uh, no. <laughs> No, I was like, where are you going? Where are yeah, you going? Man. I can help. I can help, guys. Yeah. I'm helping. <laughs> here's how I I'm here's just... how I saw it. I, I saw it in my mind. I nailed the the other one trying to help the one getting away, and then Kair hits him with the bow and arrow while uh while Rojan keeps the, the group at bay at least for a turn. And we do that, but then he, but then Kair whipped out basically the the magical equivalent of a rocket launcher, and I was like, okay, now we improvise. <laughs> yes, you you brought a spoon to a gunfight. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. Like, yeah, like Rojan was planning on defending and then doing the uh, reactionary social thing to say, I don't want to kill you. You do need to leave. And then expecting some damage from the party to convince them to go. And got it. Then he, then he that shit he all moved so quick. Some, like yes, there was like yeah. this was this this was like the Ron Burgundy like that escalated quickly <laughs> moment. Because no, if did, you yeah. really think about it, if you really think about it, I I expected to have at least one more turn where like big big Hellbore saunters away and then like does a sexy flash and all the <laughs> all the demons are just like ooh, right? And then and then the machine gun blast starts. But it like that. That's not how that played yeah. out. Yeah, like how how long is a turn? How how many seconds? Like three. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like a round is. Uh, God, uh, it's uh, when when you get into battle group mode, it's not longer than half a minute. Well, see, that's why my decisions make more sense in that context because I can't uh, at at this in my situation I was in, I cannot engage really in any way. Um, unless I'm at close range and I felt confident enough in my ability to get in and also get out that I was like, all right, let's jump in the thick, see where I'm needed. And it turns out I just wasn't needed in that circumstance. <laughs> but uh, but I was there, you know. I, I, I If he lived, I made an enemy for life. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know what? And it's your mind. And it's like, it's your mind now, almost. Uh, there's a few things that gotta happen. Yeah, but, it um, is mine and now. Look at him right as he says. Hey, it now. Wong, Wong. there you go. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, I, uh, I I figure that 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 spell takes a while to build, and I, I figure it's supposed to be on average three rounds to get to get it to go. But um, between the the knowledge of what was gonna be shooting at me, um, and. Uh, between that and just the kind of blind fury uh in in the moment i'm like no i'm gonna i'm gonna pump everything into this um i i i didn't realize that the uh the peripheral essence would have had me glowing quite so you much you almost did it if i had you gone almost to, i would have been fine. i wanted i had hoped to go to the next level of it like from uh what is it like it's Dim, glowing, burning bonfire. Yep. Um, I would have been comfortable going into burning. Um, well, even with burning, like they could theoretically see you from uh, from town. 
Um, you guys have been, when you think about it, it's only been a couple of days, but you've been so quiet in yeah. terms of essence use that people might start to think, you know, like uh, cutscenes aside, people might start to think, okay, something's a little weird here. Um, it's safe to suggest that the, the, the main dude from Prasad is really critical of, uh, of your abilities and especially of, uh, of what Rojan's put together, mm-hmm. but like, they don't really know what's going on yet. But the second one of you guys just goes full tilt, leans into all of your essence and blows, it's no longer a secret. As long as they can identify who it is, the only one who gets away scot-free from this one is, um is uh fred because he just gets enveloped in like this inscrutable shadow like uh dan when you get when you get going enough you can activate your ability where your moats basically just dissipate and you disappear and re reconstitute at a place of uh extreme power which i mean i'm i'm waiting for you to use that ability (laughs) because that'll be fine for me curious to see that um Whereas, like, uh, I don't expect Stu to do it because he's he's always uh, playing the subtle game, except when he turns into a boar. But from a from a narrative standpoint, around. there's probably gonna be a moment where Rojin just stops caring because nothing's been able to stand up to him and his group of friends. And who doesn't want to be a rock star with their own light show? It it'll it'll happen eventually. And the lunar anima is like brilliant light shooting into the sky visible for miles like there's no hiding it yeah yeah in the same way solar right like it's it yeah one of you guys blows people are gonna know but with that i think maybe we'll uh we'll close this one off unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about no i think i'm uh i'm good yeah me too that was fun cool cool all right well thank you all for uh for joining me for this excellent adventure uh dude (laughs) and uh yeah i know i went there um and thank you the audience for tuning in i hope that everybody enjoyed themselves thank you again and we will hopefully just keep running these sessions until somebody gets mad at me all right (laughs) everybody say goodbye and we'll see you later thanks jason bye yes thank you